0: Welcome to WMFA, a podcast about why and how we write. I'm Courtney Ballastier, and this week I'm speaking with Kristen Arnett, a queer fiction and essay writer whose debut novel, Mostly Dead Things, is out now from Tin House. Kristen won the 2017 Coyle Book Award for her debut short fiction collection, Felt in the Jaw, and was awarded Ninth Letters 2015 Literary Award in Fiction. She's a columnist for Literary Hub, and her work has either appeared or is upcoming at North American Review. The Normal School, Gulf Coast, Triquarterly, Guernica, Electric Literature, Volume 1 Brooklyn, Bennington Review, and elsewhere. Mostly Dead Things is a heartfelt, eccentric, and darkly hilarious novel about a Florida family in the wake of its patriarch's suicide. Its protagonist, Jessa Lynn, is left with her dad's taxidermy business, the bizarre artistic expressions of her mother's grief, and perhaps liberation, and a longing for her brother's ex-wife, who is also the only person Jessa Lynn has ever loved. For her first novel, Kristen gave herself a reassuring writing framework to work within, included a rule that I should obey more often, don't reread as you write. Here, we talk about how that framework helped her write every day while also working a full-time job as a librarian. We also talk about pushing on things in the work in order to dig deeper, writing the body, and why it was important to her to write a book that looks at day-to-day queer life. You can hear a bonus segment from our conversation in which we discuss Kristen's approach to writing her home state of Florida by joining the WMFA Patreon community at patreon.com slash WMFA podcast and pledging just $2 a month.
1: Maybe it's garbage. Maybe it's nothing. But I was like, I was like, I'm willing to put in the time these months to see if I can do this.
0: Have this huge, very funny Twitter presence, and and I would love to start with like that as a you know you you mentioned being in Florida and kind of not necessarily feeling connected all the time, and I I, I imagine that Twitter serves a really nice purpose for you in that way.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. It was it was very funny because actually this like weekend at AWP, it was so many times people coming up to me and people would like talk about the book stuff, but they'd or they would also be like. I really enjoy talking with you on Twitter or I really like the things you do there. And I was like, wow. Cause sometimes I feel like I'm putting garbage on there. It's just, a, uh, don't know. I think you're totally right. It is this way for me to connect with other people, like a lot of writers obviously, but then also kind of to just, um, it's this space to kind of be silly in this way that wow. I enjoy. Um, in a way that like apparently like appeals to people. I mean, I knew for me that like, I mean, I I did feel like a lot of times I was like, I'm just going to go on here and say something I think is funny, or I'm going to go on here and just enjoy, enjoy myself in this very stupid, absurdist kind of way. And, um, the feedback that I began getting from people very quickly was that they, they were looking to enjoy themselves also in that stupid, absurdist way. And there was just something so like very touching. It's It's something that I really actually enjoy. I mean, I know we call it right. The hell site, but it's been this like very meaningful way that I've met like a lot of people in my life that I'm very good friends with now that I've met, like I've had a lot of like networking and writing opportunities that I think I maybe wouldn't have had otherwise. It's been a way to kind of decompress at some points, like just sharing personal information with people and like, you know, pictures of my dogs or talking with people about different things they experience. I don't know. It's, it's I mean I know it's like right it's like this thing where we talk about like branding yourself or kind of like self marketing or something like that and I mean it, it some of it does feel like that to me but a lot of times it just feels like this kind of good place I get to go and kind of be my weird self and interact with people who also want to be weird with me and that's fun like it's fun and I like it so I mean I guess when I stopped being fun I won't do it anymore but it's been it's been very helpful to me in a lot of ways but sincerely I think the number 1 thing is I've made so many friends through it like people that I actually like super enjoy engaging with like I met a couple people this weekend I think just for like I've only ever interacted with you on Twitter and I was like it was such a pleasure to meet them in real life and be like oh I'd like you just as much in person
0: yeah and I think that especially you know um that is very different from the way that I engage with Twitter which is I think like way too I don't know I I don't I don't feel like Twitter is my strong suit for sure but what you're describing is um maybe a nice antidote to kind of the self-editing that can go on in the writing process where you can just kind of say, you know, work off, off the top of your head and, and be a little bit freer in that way. Oh, absolutely.
1: I think it it is this thing too, where it's like any, anything, anything stupid I put on there, I keep, I don't delete anything. It's, it's just, it is, it's a fun way to just kind of, I mean, granted there'll be times where I like, I, I engage with things that are like maybe more serious or have conversations about things, but for the most part for me like the way that I enjoy using it has been like in this way where I'm like let me tell this joke or let me see what works i it's a way too, to uh, to also kind of dig at stuff and see what see what what's funny right like what do people engage with what's the thing that that people kind of snag onto right like so sometimes things work and sometimes things don't it's a little bit like i was talking with a friend um, about this and i was like it's kind of feels a little bit like stand up comedy sometimes mm. Or I'm like, you can see what things the audience engages with and what things they don't. I mean, it's almost kind of like refining through like a series of different tweets. You can see which ones work and which ones don't work as much. Or what like, it's a way to kind of like, can, how, many times, how many times can I retell this joke or in, refresh the joke in a new way? And that's like writing, right? It's this way to kind of like see how many ways I can look at an idea and expand on it and make it different. Like, how can I take the one idea and like, Kind of bust it out and make it broader and funny in myriad ways so I, I I like to think about especially those joke things I do in those in those kind of things
0: how do you how do you think about humor in your writing you know i i I was thinking as I was getting ready to talk to you that um I, on uh, last year I spoke with um, Karan Mahajan and we talked about his first novel, which is, which is very funny. And he was like, yeah, I'm never going to do that again. That's really difficult. Like you get funny once and you just have to keep being funny on every page. That's oh really yeah. Um, I think
1: for me, it was a very different kind of process because I've had conversations before too, where it's like, you know, my, my writing is funny, but in a, a different kind of way where it's like maybe more dark or maybe it's more like just a small punch in between some things just to lighten the mood. Uh So I think, I think generally, and I would say this even for my short fiction, uh, but when I was writing the novel, um, you know, I kind of got the guts of it out and I was looking at it and the things that are in there are obviously absurd, right? Like you've got like weird sexualized taxidermy. That's just funny. Like it's funny on its own, but There were ways where I was going in there and I would have to like slip in and look. I'm like, where can I add, maybe like add some lightness or some kind of just something that's going to lift out of a scene because things can be too much. And so I think it was a a definitely a very different kind of way of writing humor. Like it still felt very important to me, but it was, it was more like finding those like kind of little bright spots in the middle of the dark sometimes, because when I feel like I'm, when I'm doing like things like Twitter, it's like, it's easy to just be kind of very surface level in a small kind of space. But if I'm trying to engage with broader issues of, you know, intimacy or like, death and things like that that's that's harder right to imagine like how to put slip humor into it and it it was a completely different kind of way so I think I think a lot of it like was going back in and finding finding spots where I felt like I could lighten things up
0: right without without undercutting yourself exactly
1: yeah yeah
0: yeah and and something that was really interesting to me uh like to my my reading experience of it um of the novel was I think that the the rules of that world were, like, mm-hmm. so well established um, that I kind of just very quickly, you know, it is absurd, but you take it in stride very quickly, I think, as the reader, because it is kind of, it is so well drawn in front of you that you're just like, right, okay, this is this is where I am. So So I think those moments of levity, like, they just kind of, like, add right, you know, they yeah. sort of slip right into that. Yeah.
1: I mean, that was important me well. to me, too, to be like, I wanted to establish, like, I wanted to feel immediately like, you know, the place where you're at. And then I also you to have an idea about the people and how they were interacting with each other. And I, and also sometimes too, it's like, especially when you're dealing with family, like there's those embedded jokes or the way people talk to each other. That's like inherently funny, right? Like how families interact can be like hard, but it's also like you have this like lifetime of knowledge of the other, of the other person. And there's like a lot of humor that I think that's like kind of there if you like kind of dig at it.
0: Yeah. Um, you know i i have a a friend or another writer friend who um when she's reading my work will often kind of add comments to me like um like i i want to be more on this person's body um and and i was really struck by how physical how much you are on the body everywhere you know there's of course the taxidermy which i want to definitely talk more about <laughs> but but just in general i feel like there is this very I don't want to quite use the word visceral, although sometimes it is very visceral, but you know, just this, it it does feel very close. Um, and I, and I wanted to talk to you about kind of how, how that came to play for you, how important that was to you.
1: Uh, It was very important to me. And I do feel like I'm a person who I'm, I'm constantly very interested in, in the body and how, how we see it, but how, so how we interact with it. So it felt, it felt natural to me to kind of, interrogate those kind of ways that maybe the the people in the novel interact with each other you know aside you know these you know actual tactile observations of dissecting an animal you have these like um you know the tactile things happening with people interacting with each other because and um, the the exterior to me usually is the thing that I, that I feel the most drawn to. I want to think about how like the blood and guts and the nastiness of things like those things I want to think about. And maybe that's, I mean, I think a lot of people maybe think about those things, but like as a Floridian, as a Florida writer, I think that there's like a very visceral kind of connection that I have with like how I interrogate my body and the space around me. Like I feel things all the time, right? Like things are hot, sweaty, like how I am, you know, like, getting rained on or like how, like, you know, what, what it feels like in my, in my personal skin to be in a space or interact with other people. So those things, those are things I'm thinking about all the time. So like pairing it up alongside, like the idea of like being hands on with, you know, opening these animals or thinking about the body and how we display it and how we move it and what, how it interacts with other people was the thing that I was like, I really want to look at the body In this kind of way, and think about how maybe sometimes people can be like, can know more about the body than they know their own mind, like the physical instead of the emotional. So, so it was, it was a thing that I thought about constantly. I was thinking about how how the bodies process each other, maybe how like Jessa processes her body in conjunction with her family, in conjunction with people that she loves, in conjunction with sex, or like even how she uses her body to like to do her work, right, like work or art or things like that. Because I think the physical is something I have, I'm obsessed with, I think. And so it was, and then it made it an interesting foil to kind of look at that and then be like, okay, now I need to look in the interior. And it it made it, I was like, how do I look at the body, but then also look at the interior and the interior was harder to look at. And it's very different. And I think if you're like able to focus on the exterior, then you can kind of put that other thing out of your mind. But yeah, I, uh, I, I I definitely think it's a very, it's a very physical book. It's a book that's looking at how tactile things are and how how we engage with the world around us like actually physically being present in it
0: yeah I really love that idea of of physicality and of the body as another expression of place I hadn't quite thought about it that way but when you say you know when you said as a Floridian writer I'm kind of thinking like oh where is she going with that but but yeah that that makes a whole lot of sense that you are the environment is so um is so ingrained in your physical experience mm-hmm. Okay. So let's talk about the taxidermy. (laughs) How, How? when did this come? Well, I guess backing up even further, like how did this, how did the story begin for you? Was there, was there Jessa? Was this, was, is it, was it more of an idea than a person? I'm always really curious about that first thread for writers.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, for this particular, because this is my first novel that I've written, uh, it, it was this thing where I was writing cause I'd written a, a lot of short fiction right, and I was, right. I was writing a, I was writing a short story about a brother and sister who were taxiderming a goat for a neighbor friend and they fuck it up. She's just like, fuck up this goat. And they're like having this interaction about how they're going to fix this thing that they have to give back to this person. And as I'm writing the short story, it was the first time I'd written something where I was like, when I got to the end of it, I wasn't, I didn't feel done. I was done with those people. And it's never like that. You know, you, you know there's a close to like things I'm doing. I'm like, here's the arc of it. Here's. And, and so the short story was complete, but I didn't feel complete with it. I didn't feel like I was done talking to those people. I wanted to know more about them. I wanted to know more about their lives and engage more with them. And so to me, I was like, huh, this is like, this is something bigger than what I've written. This is this is a bigger project. So I, I kind of sat with that for a little bit. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna set this short story aside. And I'm gonna just start something new. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna think about this as being a broader project of, of a family, a family and taxidermy, and this kind of look at how they engage. And I was like, I was like, I've never done something like this, but it felt right to me. It mm-hmm. felt like I wanted to. So was like I was like, I'm willing to explore this, I'm willing to sit and like create a bigger world. Um, something that I can immerse myself in for a while and it became the book from that, but it was, it was something that originally started off as something smaller. It it just kept, it kept talking to me. So I felt like I had to keep talking back to it. I felt like I needed more conversation with it.
0: Yeah. I, um, I read this, I, I, I like this thing that you said in an interview with the rumpus where, um, you said that short stories are how your brain wants to process fiction. Um, so I, I would love to just dwell on that a moment, the, the process for you between writing short fiction and now that you've written a novel, you know, whether you still feel like that's true.
1: I mean, that's a great question because I think for a long time, um, yeah, I think short fiction just always feels like. I think it's funny to say this in terms of writing. So I'm gonna, cause I'm like, I'm like, Oh, it's a comfortable space. I'm like, writing's never comfortable yeah, yeah. for me, but it, it is a space where it's like the process of writing short fiction is, is like, I'll have an image or an idea and that's just stuck in my head. And so I sit down and kind of like word vomit it out very quickly, whatever the story is. And it's, it's contained. And I, And I write it very quickly and then I sit and kind of edit and like handsy with it and it's done. Whereas like the process for writing something larger was extremely different. I mean, rewarding in a very, but in a very different kind of way. And I had to set up different rules for it. Like I had to set up very different rules for it than I ever had for short fiction because short fiction, um, I would sit and I could do this kind of thing where it'd almost be like typewriter style. Like I could kind of edit it and then go up and then like write something, then edit and go up and then write something. And you cannot do that in a novel. So like the the rules that I had to like structure for myself so that I could even get a draft out were like completely different. It was, it was a much less, I mean, part of the process was too, like, it was very unfamiliar to me and you know, the unfamiliar the strange can be like uncomfortable. No, it's an uncomfortable thing to not know how to, how to work in that kind of capacity. But um, I think now, especially cause I've been working on other projects that are also longer. Um, I don't know if I'd consider like short fiction as much to be my home anymore. I think it's still, I think it's just still a comfortable place. And I say, I, again, like comfortable in this kind of, I don't know, like it, it makes me like nervous to say something's comfortable. writing. Right. So it's still very relative, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but like. It's just different, I would say. Well, I, you know, I would say that also write about writing essays, like essay work. I love to do essay work, but it's it's also a completely different process. Like how I put together an essay isn't how I put together short fiction, isn't how I put together a novel. So there's these just different, writing is different in a lot of different ways. So it's like I had to learn that like, you know, how I, how I write these different things can't function the same as each other. And that's fine. It's fine. It's just different.
0: Right. Can you talk a little bit more about I mean I know this is probably you're probably speaking pretty loosely, but but the kind of rules that you had in place when you were working on this?
1: Oh yeah. I mean as a librarian, I was like, I could definitely tell you the rules. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so maybe
0: not speaking so loosely.
1: Yeah, well, um, okay, so because I'd never written anything that lengthy before, I worried that editing it as I went along would make it so I'd stop or mm-hmm. wouldn't do the writing I need to do, like up front. So I gave myself a set of rules that included, okay, Monday through Friday, I'll write a thousand words a day and I will not edit those things. I will not go back and edit any of it. I'm going to just write, I'm just going to write a thousand words a day. I could, I could write more, but I couldn't write less than that. And then on the weekends, if I wanted to write cool, if I didn't want to also, that's fine. But I was like, if I did that, then I have a th- like 5,000 words a week. At the end of the month, I have 20,000 words at the end of a certain amount of months. I have like a book length work of something. Maybe it's garbage. Maybe it's nothing. But I was like, I was like, I'm willing to put in the time these months to see if I can do this. So I did not let myself reread anything. I wrote as I was writing, I would write the, the only thing I would let myself do is I'd let myself reread the previous paragraph just to see where I left off. Mm -hmm. Um, but I wouldn't let myself go back in and touch anything because I, I kind of thought if I did that, that I would I would maybe mess myself up because I'd start dwelling in the minutia instead of like looking more broadly. So I did that for several months. And then by the, it was like November, of, oh God, when was it? I can't remember. And I was I was like, okay, I have this much. I've reached the end. I've typed like the last sentence, the end. And I I was very, I knew it was very rough and ugly because I hadn't let myself touch. I just kind of type, type, type. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to close this Word document. And I will not look at it again until the new year. I will not look at it again until January. I gave myself a little time away from it. And then once it was January, I opened it up and started editing it. And that, you know, that's, I think writing is very personal too. Like everybody has different ways that they work. But I knew for me, that was like the only way I felt like I could do that, how I could get it out without stopping myself without being my worst enemy in terms of it. Because I thought if I let myself kind of put my hands too much in the chapters as I was going along, I'd start really overthinking everything and not be able to complete it. I'm not sure if like, because I haven't worked that way as much in follow-up projects, but for that book, that it felt necessary to me. I, for that first one, I felt like I had to have those parameters in place.
0: That, that really resonates with me. And you know, I'm working on my first novel now and I, and I made a similar kind of pledge. I didn't do it quite so structured, although my Capricorn moon is like, yes, that structure is brilliant. Take <laughs> it. Um, but, but I was like, because I, I, I kind of came to it having felt really on the kind of macro scale in my writing, I had like ground myself to a halt by going sentence by sentence. So yeah. I was like, okay, just only forward. And I, and I do think that like, now that I'm, I'm in like a kind of this sort of second round of going through it, I can see how starting another project, it feels like there's some kind of institutional memory there where you're like, okay, well, you could be a little, you know, you don't have to be quite so dogmatic to that. But I, but I think if you, if you need to get through that space, that that instinct to just get through it as quickly as possible makes mm. sense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, yeah, I was like, this is the first time I've tried this. And I don't, I don't know how it'll go. And I don't, I was like, I don't, I don't know if this will be anything. And I I let myself be okay with that too. I was like, let's just try it. Right. And so now like moving forward into other projects I'm working on, I'm like, I know that I can because I have done it. So there's, there's maybe different roles in place for it. I don't know. And I'm, I'm willing to look at like, how I can write in these different kinds of capacities. I don't know. As, I, as like, I, maybe that is part of like being like a librarian. It's like I have like these rule things that I think that are like helpful to me, but like they don't necessarily have to be the same all the time, or they maybe they're different for different things.
0: Well, I think that writing too is just such a. I mean, there there's like almost too much freedom sometimes, and I think like any kind of framework that you can draw around it for yourself to make like some semblance of order is like yeah. is very reassuring. I don't know. That that's how it works for me. I think
1: it feels like a little bit of control where it's like feels like completely out of control a lot of the time to me where it's like, it's a thing I love and also kind of hate. I love it, but it's like uh, the blessing and the curse of like being like very into writing where it's like asserting just at least a small amount of control over to this thing. That's like a very uncontrollable idea or thought or like project. So yeah, there was, I mean, there's that to it for sure. Right.
0: And, and you are of course a librarian. So you were working full days every, when you're doing, you know, your kind of thousand word a day quota. Was that around yeah. a, a daily work schedule?
1: It was. Yes. So I was like, you know, and some of it I did do when I was at work, like, you know, I have, would have lunch breaks and I'd be like, this is when I'm working on this. I'm mm-hmm. doing this through my lunch break. Or I get maybe get up early, even though I am definitely not a morning person. Cause I, I do think I'm a person um, that works a little better earlier on the day. Like, I mean, working at a, 40-hour work week and then trying to come home and then work on stuff it's oh, like yeah. it's hard to do that like sometimes you know you have brain burnout especially like doing like library work would feel like answering questions and doing these kind of things all day where it's like doing a lot of the same kind of work you're trying to interrogate in fiction so I, I would feel like it was harder to work on that at the end of the day.
0: It's easier to do it maybe earlier, early in the day. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that idea of of an interrogation brain space. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I, the last episode that just aired was with um, the poet Morgan Parker. um, And she was talking. Yeah. Yeah. Another tin, another tin house author. Um, I just just hung out with her all weekend. (laughs) Awesome. Oh, and she was talking about how uh, poems for her often begin with a question. And that was something that, that really resonated with me too. And that idea of like, and I think that uh, go, speaking to the control thing, that's something that can be very difficult too. Of like, just sort of being okay with the fact that you're like seeking and not like knowing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love that. Of course she's so smart. I, I love know. the idea of like a, right. She's like a genius. I love the idea of thinking about starting with a question and kind of going from there because it usually like is what like opens up more questions. So yeah. it's like, just questions that beget more questions that beget more questions. And it's this unlimited moving forward into space where you just the, the interrogation of those things. Like, what does this mean? What does this mean? And like, by opening those things, you're opening up more and more.
0: Now that you've finished the project, and I assume these characters now feel this feels complete to you in a way that that story didn't
1: Yeah. I mean, it did. I mean, one of the things too is right. Like, you know, you could live with these people, you live with them for so long. They feel like part of your life. Like, you know, so I'm like working, I'm like, you know, doing stuff and I'm thinking about them or thinking about the things they do. And then, you know, you're working in edits and things like that. And, you know, so you're still living with them. You're still living with them. And so like once the, once the book kind of left me, I had to like start saying to myself, like, Cause I would like find myself thinking not in this way where it's like, I wanted to write more about them, but more in just like this kind of like nostalgic kind of way, which right. maybe makes sense in terms of the book. <laughs> Cause the book is very like embedded with like nostalgia of the past. So like, I like would be thinking about them and it, it was maybe a little hard to kind of be present in other projects. Cause I was thinking still so much about those characters and their lives and like, because they took up so much space in my right. life. But yeah, it's been this thing where it's like, yeah, because once the book is once the book is done, it goes out to everybody else and everybody else gets to have those people like they're not mine anymore. Like it's mm-hmm. it's other people's and everybody else gets to kind of be with them. And, and it's time for me to look at other people and, and other other lives and other projects kind of way. But yeah, d- they definitely did feel complete. Like I knew that the, I knew that it was complete, but it was also it was also hard. Yeah, because it was like, oh, like I'm trying to think of how it was. Maybe it's like a little my little ugly family. <laughs> like, <laughs> My little terrible family, and I just wanted to I wanted to stay with them still, but um, yeah, but yeah, yeah, I do feel like it, I do feel like the story was complete, and I was done with it in a way that the with, whereas the short story did not, and i can I can always have them because I have them in this book,
0: do you think that you were able ended up kind of consciously more aware of like what it was that you were interrogating with them?
1: I think I discovered a lot of things that I didn't know that I was trying to interrogate, mm. and that's how I feel like. That's the thing I really like about writing. I mean, it's a thing that I hate, right? Like, it's like a thing that, like, when I feel like I'm actually doing the work that I need to do, I'm finding out things that I didn't even know I was looking for. Like, that's when I'm like, that's when I think I'm doing the actual work that's like good work. Absolutely. Um, Even throughout edits and like talking with Tony Perez, my editor at Tin House, was like, he he called it pushing on things. And I was like, that's actually a very accurate kind of way of talking about it because I think there were things that, I didn't realize I was trying to ask of the characters specifically mm. Jessa. Like, I'm like, what is it that I want, what, that I want her to be knowing or to learn about herself or, or like her relationships. And I think I was able to learn more about that through like this process, not only just of writing, but of editing, like here's what she actually thinks at the top of her head, but here's what it is that she's actually looking to know. And those are two different things. Right. And it's, that's just such a human thing. And, um, and I was thinking a lot about that in terms of intimacy like here's here's what it is that she thinks she's that she wants and here's this underlying current of things that is actually what she's looking to to access.
0: Yeah, she's she's so fascinating and the um again with with the taxidermy element especially and uh a lot of the you know blurbs and things about the book and, and the press material talk about it being about grief and I think it definitely is but like so much of that with her struck me as so much just about repression and this idea of like putting Putting the clean face on things or like trying yeah. to just make things like salvageable so that they look okay from the outside.
1: Yeah. Well, because I think that that's like that's a survival tool, right? Like a survival kind of mechanism is mm-hmm. to be like, here's what I need to do to make it so that I can deal with the things I have to deal with. Like, you know, you, you asked me about the body, or it's like, you know, like for Jessa, maybe it was like much easier for her to deal with things in this kind of exterior level, right? Like to maintain. We can maintain in this kind of way, but it's not like like, how long can you maintain that for? It's like, how long is that sustainable? It's not sustainable forever. So it was this idea of kind of looking at, right, like repression is a great word for that. Um, Looking at this character and being like, how long can you kind of sit in this space where you're willing to like completely deny the things that are necessary for change for yourself to grow outside of where you are? And what are you will what are you willing to just kind of sit and kind of let staff like be stagnant because you you can't process it.
0: Have you joined WMFA's Patreon community yet? Patreon is a digital platform that allows fans to support creators and their work directly. When you become a patron, you pledge a monthly amount of your choosing, and I give you rewards like exclusive writings, notes of creative encouragement, and bonus segments, including a bonus segment from this very episode. That reward, by the way, is just $2 a month. By joining my Patreon community, you're growing the world of WMFA one writer at a time, plus supporting a whole community of independent creatives, from audio editors to graphic designers. And creative community is what WMFA is all about. Join today at patreon.com WMFA podcast. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com WMFA podcast. Thank you for supporting the show. You know, I, I think another thing that's so compelling about this family dynamic is like you know, as I'm sure is familiar to a lot of people, like as we you know you kind of come into your own like changing your role in a family dynamic is just yes. incredibly difficult for everyone else to accept and yeah. and so like that that journey that her mother goes through and the way that that like unsettles everything. Because, yeah. well, this isn't how you behave. And I don't know how to make sense of this new person.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Because I think, again, it's like a, another issue of like, like like control issues, right? Yeah. Like, so,
0: like if, I, if
1: we can just keep being the way that we have been, then I can deal with what I need to do, even if it doesn't make me happy. Even if it's like this, like there's this idea of this idea of gender and what Jessa feels like. She needs to do in terms of being becoming her father in this kind of. Mm -hmm. What does that mean, like as a queer woman, to like look and be like, okay, if I have to become my father, like what what does it mean? I need to take on like what are the kind of roles and there's like a lot of embedded gender roles in the South and everywhere, and especially in families. And so, like I think the idea of her as this queer woman taking on, deciding to take on this very gendered role of father in her family while watching her mother deviate from the role of feminine mother was like very difficult for her to watch that happen that was something I was interested in looking at a lot because I think that it says a lot about control but it says a lot about like how I mean about about love and like how how intimacy works and how like we often want things to stay the same which is like how taxidermy functioned to me in that because it's like right there's this idea of stasis yeah or posing something into a way that's like. Here's the memory I want to maintain. Like, here's the thing I want to take away. Like, this is the thing I want to be perfect and preserved. And that's just not how relationships or anything functions. Like, things are constantly changing all the time. Things have to move and be, like, have this freedom. And maybe that was something I was looking to examine within families, how families have roles, and you you have an expectation of how those roles are going to continue to function. And when they deviate from it, it's, like, upsetting, and the change is, like, too like too much sometimes.
0: Yeah, there there was a... A line that I really loved about um taxidermying pets and and how the the convention is to not i'm gonna I'm gonna misremember this maybe but but to not have them look um mm-hmm. like especially like happy or like affectionate because it it's just gonna ruin the illusion like it's not going to translate as well
1: yeah, like the, because I, I mean i did a lot of I did a lot of taxidermy research before I did this book um which it's like a prolific huge field and like people do consider it to be like this amazing art but like one of the things they were talking about because when people have these pets that they want to taxidermy they have like this idea about they want the eyes to be open they want them to be like moving and movement or like doing some kind of thing and they're like no you can't do like they need to if you do it you have to like make it so they're sleeping or Mm -hmm. something because it's you see them and you know, it's not real. And it like, it bursts that illusion. And every time you look at it, it's like this reminder that this thing that you try to maintain can't be sustainable. It's, it's fascinating. I don't know. I was very fascinated by the idea of like looking at taxidermy in conjunction with these people, because I do think that there's lots of ways that people decide that they're going to try and just clutch on to things and make them like, I need this to always 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 be this way and that's like what taxidermy is trying to do all the time and it it's not sustainable (laughs) things that are alive can't be made to
0: maintain that can can we talk a little bit about what that research process was like did you have any familiarity with it going in
1: I mean that's a great question but I I did I mean yeah I live in the south I mean I live in Florida so I have like a, a familiarity with taxidermy for sure like you know, lots of people in my family hunt. There's like lots of people, like taxidermy, you see it in like lots of people's houses. It's a thing that I kind of knew about. I definitely didn't have the hands-on experience. So as a librarian, I was like, I'm absolutely going to just start like immersing myself in this. So I started watching, you'd be shocked at how many YouTube videos you can watch about like, (laughs) yeah. Actually, sure. preserving things, and then um, I bought like because I was also very interested in a specific time period of taxidermy, um, which was maybe more of like the eighties, early nineties kind of taxidermy. So I bought a lot of books, like these breakthrough taxidermy manuals I bought for myself, or like interlibrary loaned and like looked at and sat and kind of looked at like the process of it. And then there's these um, forums that you could go onto, like these kind of chat forums where people talked about like hacks or like. Like, oh, here's the best way to taxidermy a bore. Here's a tip for trick that you might not know. And there's all these conventions too. Like they have huge conventions for things you can go to. And I, I wasn't able to go to any of them, but I was able to kind of like go into like some of the stuff that had been posted afterward. So I could look at like the PowerPoints they had or like the different presentations and like the ones that had won and different, like, so there just was so much. So that was like something that came into it for me. I was like, this is artistry for people. Mm-hmm. Like this is an art form. And I think it's a very, let me say this. It was a way for masculinity to have access to art. Mm. So being able to participate in art in this kind of way, but still being like, it's not art. It's, it's hunting. It's, you know, like it's a dead thing. It's fine. So like, but then it's this very gendered thing where like men are able to participate in like creating something and, and not be like, oh, it's, it's not art. It's, it's functional because like Jessa like constantly is kind of considering like what it would be, what it would have meant to be the son right that her father would want her to have, like to be like for her dad.
0: And you kind of set that up right at the very beginning with that flashback of them being kids and, and Milo not really being able to stomach it.
1: Yeah. Um, because it is this thing too, where it's like, it's right. It's, it's this gristly kind of art, but it's, it's, mm. Hurt. like right it's like this kind of idea of like how can i pose this thing to make it look just right and like using paints and using like forms and like kind of sculpting sculpting the body like that's like it's this way to like create art but in a way where it's like it's still considered okay within this masculine ideal i would right. like encountered all these generally men um talking back and forth with each other about how they were creating these things and it was like a freedom for them to be able to talk about this in a way where they you know wouldn't be able to talk about art otherwise.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you um you know the the father obviously kills himself at the very beginning so so doesn't we don't get a ton of insight into him relative to the characters who are who are alive throughout the book but did you feel like some of that made its way into his sort of into his characterization?
1: I did think that, yeah. I was thinking a lot about like, you know, like who who is this person who's like the patriarch of this family and how do the things that he believes or like puts out like inform Mm -hmm. the rest of everybody else and how they behave and I do think that there's these ways that like I thought so much about his character as being a person who who hides a lot of himself and then I thought that because then I was like you know like the idea of like Jessa being like a lot like her dad it's like I'm all like also a person that's hiding a lot of herself Mm -hmm. here's what I'm allowing you to see and the rest is just hidden because it's too much or too sensitive or too tender. Like,
0: right. Right. Or I mean, just even kind of considering the, the place and the sort of like social conventions, just like protection.
1: Right. Exactly. So I, I did, I did think about that a lot. I thought about, so I, I feel like the their father like hangs over for for me, hangs over the story in this way where it's like, I'm, I am for, I inform how everyone is behaving or proceeds to behave because, I don't know. So much of families too is like this kind of way where we either like we either do know how like our families have informed us, or we're like maybe don't even realize how our families are informing the way we behave.
0: Yeah, and and I think that that idea of kind of like like conflicted expectations, maybe where yeah. where like you know certainly not everything is like oh, and then the silver lining is this worked out perfectly for everyone and everyone's fine. But like but there there are these glimmers of. It's very subtle, but, but maybe these moments where Jessa withholds assuming a sort of a reaction that she doesn't necessarily get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I mean, then also, you know, of course there are counters to that as well. Yeah.
1: And and, and part of those things too is like for her, I, I wanted her to be a person who who definitely
0: thinks she has an
1: idea about what she wants, but mm. obviously like doesn't actually, like she makes choices that are. I was talking with this about this to my editor, Tony, where I was like about like the fact that I was like, like passively allowing destructive things to occur, Mm. like letting things get to a point because you're unwilling to engage in the behaviors you need to, to, to rectify or change. Um, and like, that was a thing with her, right? Like where it's like, that's, and it's a, it's a way that people engage in like self-destructive behaviors to be like, how far am I willing to let something go so that I don't have to, that I don't have to engage with conflict in a way that I don't like, right? And Aren't then it? I don't feel responsible for the outcome. I don't responsibility, right? It's like I don't want to have the responsibility of this and if I don't choose to engage with it then then it's just happened and it's not on me.
0: Um so can we talk a little bit about just like your writing a habit, as much as it is a regular thing, you know what what a day is like for you. Are, are you still getting up? Do you, you know, you mentioned having several projects on the go. Sure, um, yeah. So how are you? How are you juggling all of that right now?
1: I mean, I am a person who like write. I write a lot. I feel like I write a lot, um, or at least that's been. I didn't feel like I was until I was talking to other people, and then people were saying that I was writing <laughs> a lot, and I was like, oh, okay. Um, but I am a person. I, I work every day for the most part, like some, there will be some days like where I don't like on the weekends, but like the Monday through Friday, um, at least I, I work every day working on something and I, if I'm not working on something, I start to feel like very anxious. So yeah, I have projects. I have a, another book that I think will be the next book that I've kind of written. So I'm hopeful to like, kind of, I'm, I'm in the kind of the weeds of editing it right now. So we'll see what that looks like for the next book. But yeah, I am a person that like every day I get up and I'm like, I need to be working on something Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And I also like to, I'm a person who like works on multiple things at once, but I'm also a person that reads multiple things at once. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. So I like to like, you know, I'll be like reading like three or four books at once. I'm like working on three or four things at once. I just, I need to have like a lot of things going on. I feel like my brain wants that kind of craves that kind of like. I want to be inundated <laughs> a lot of stuff when I'm not, I start to feel like I'm not doing anything, even though I know that's not true. I just feel like I need to be working that kind of way, yeah
0: um I wanted to talk about um and i I don't want to be like oh biograph everything everything comes down to some kind of biographical corollary, so like not that, but you but you know you do a lot of your work is queer writing. You identify as a queer writer and, and I've read essays of yours where you, you deal with your, you talk about your religious upbringing, kind of your dynamic with your family and you, well, first of all, maybe what is that idea of being a queer writer? What does that mean for you?
1: Okay. I mean, for me, it feels like, I'm trying to think about this. it feels important to me to identify as a queer writer because I, I am queer and I want my work, like the work that I'm interested in is queer. Right. And it, I mean, it can mean a lot of different things, but I, at at the end of the day, like the, the work that I'm doing that I'm most interested in is work that is queering something. So another thing too, that I was very interested in examining and that I'm continuously interested in examining in my work is work. That's not coming out work. And I, I uh, do, I do uh-huh. think there there's space for it, right? Like there's space for it, but I feel like, a lot of the writing I see is here's a coming out novel. Here's a coming out story. Here's the story of like this kind of trauma beginning of things. And so like very specifically when I was writing this book and when I write, even write short fiction, uh, I have been not interested in writing that. Uh, Cause I I'm more interested in like, I'm like what's the minutia of the day to day of being queer and a woman. And like, what's the domestic situation of just like being within a queer space in my writing. So like, I mean, I am a person who grew up like in a very Southern Baptist evangelical family. And so like a lot of like my interaction with my family was very couched in like the church. And that was not something I was interested in exploring in this book. I was right. like, I don't, I'm not interested in that. I'm more interested in like the family dynamic of like other things. Like I was like, I want to see like intimacy in a way that doesn't necessarily involve the church. And I want to see intimacy in a way that doesn't involve like having to look at coming out to a family member. Uh, so like, I think I kind of, I kind of, I was like looking at, I was looking at my own book and I was like, where's the place where I maybe even touched on them. There's this scene where Jessica goes to the bar that her and her dad always like to go to together. And she's remembering this like stupid joke he told the last time he was there. And then she kind of remembers as she's sitting there, like, Oh, he never even asked me about this. Like any, any of the people that I was dating or any of the people. So she has this moment, but then she immediately kind of flicks off of it and like kind of thinks about something else. Um, so like when I'm writing about queerness or things like that, I usually am trying to think more about, I don't know. I want to think, I think want to think about things in like the day to day of the domestic, which is what I'm the most interested in, in terms of writing for me.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that makes perfect sense. Cause it's such a, there, there's so much richness there and to kind of, I mean, I, it's something I want to read, right? right? Like
1: I wish I could read, I wish I could read more stuff that's about like, weirdness that's not about that like begin like I don't I, I mean I know that there's like I know coming out stuff is important, but I was like I just want to read stuff that's like in the day to day. Right. Like right. within within the space of the day to day. And I, I want that. I'm like, where is that? Where can I read it? So that's something where it's like, okay, I wanna write it. Like because it's something like I feel like I'm lacking and I'm looking for all the time.
0: Right. And I and I feel like that's that's a really universal desire for a writer and i feel like you know you said it exactly like the thing that so many people come on here and say is is about writing the book you want to read um and i think in so many different respects you know whatever whatever your sort of outlook on the world is you've got this slice where you're like i'm not seeing this part yeah
1: yeah I, i don't it just is like like for me, all the time, I'm looking for these kind of things where I'm like, I wish, I, I wish I could see queerness in this way. That's like, in the day to day, yeah, day to day of the minutiae of the household is the things that I'm looking for, and not in a way that's examining outside. Like, I don't want to see like, okay, that's it's not that I don't want to see, or maybe I'm just less interested in seeing, or maybe it's all I've seen is like I don't want to see necessarily see the trauma or the hurt all right. the time mm-hmm. of how queerness inflicts. I want to just see how it functions. In the household, right?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you know, kind of trying to to translate that to my own. Um, you know, I write about I write about place a lot with my work as well, and I'm from Appalachian and, and I and I have similar um, similar but different, of course. Like, oh, I I am tired of this type of story about this place. Yeah, and, and I want this other type of story about it because that's what is truer that that feels. I don't know. It feels truer to my experience, which is obviously tricky once you start getting into fiction and, like, that, that's not what it needs to be necessarily, but, like, that's what resonates with me, so that's what I want to see.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, again, I get that too, because with Florida, I'm always like, okay, this is, like, what's the thing I want to see here? Like, right. What's the Like, place-wise, like, what's the thing that feels, like, authentic to my personal experience? And a lot of times it's like, right, like, well, because is very broad, right? Mm-hmm. So there's, like, this idea of, like, right, somebody writing about Miami is not the same thing as writing about Florida, like Orlando is not the same thing as writing about Tampa is not the same thing as writing about Tallahassee. Like you're right. Those are like very broad, different experiences and like a completely different cultures. So writing about place feels very important to me in the same kind of capacity that writing about queerness in this kind of way feels important to me where it's like, I want it to feel like an authentic experience that I'm interested in interrogating. Right.
0: Do you want to talk a little bit about how you came to writing? Oh, yeah, uh,
1: I feel like I feel like I've always kind of been writing things. Yeah. Uh, But I think because I always have been writing and like creating for myself. Um, I uh, when I was in undergrad, when I went back to school and I was in undergrad, I was going at night, I was working at I was working during the day at the library and I was going at night to school. And I, so I was like doing like a degree. Cause I was like, okay, I was working in libraries, but I didn't have my library degree. And I was trying, I was like, okay, I need to get my undergrad and then I can get my master's and that way I can get paid the amount I need to get paid as a librarian because if you don't have your master's. You get paid like half the amount you need to get paid. And so I was like going to school. I was going to school at night after I'd worked like a full day at the library. And I was taking all these English classes and just like, loving the shit out of them it was like so helpful and like delightful to me and then I decided I was going to I wanted to try and do some creative writing classes but I felt like I was like oh I'm not any good I don't want to take somebody's space that needs to be in these classes so like I didn't really do hardly any of them and I ended up taking only like one or two that were like very integral to me. I did an internship for a thing we have at Rollins. It's called winter with the writers. That was this like beautiful thing that they do where you can work with these authors and write and give them your work and they can workshop it. And it's very, I don't know. It was, it was, it was so meaningful to me and like helped me in like so many ways, but like, yeah. Cause I was like, I'd always written, but like, it wasn't until like I did that. And then I, right afterwards, I applied to the Lambda literary fellowship. Mm-hmm. Just like, I was like, I'm going to try for it. I'm going to send it in. And I got in and it was like such a life changing experience to do that for like a couple of reasons. Cause first of all, I, I always, I always wrote because I wanted to, cause I was like my big, like my big thing for me. was like, I was like, I'm going to do it because it's something I feel like I need to do. But seeing that people thought it was worthwhile or special was like, I was like, oh, it's not, you know, like people would maybe want to look at this. Like, it's not just me kind of in a silo Mm, mm -hmm. Um, and then going to do that with all these, that was my first big writing thing I ever did was just with a bunch of queer writers, um, like in all kinds of different um, genres. And it was so meaningful to me. I'm still friends with like all the people that I was at that fellowship with. And it like really, I think that was like maybe the most beautiful, perfect way to start off any kind of writing thing was that I was meeting all of these special queer people that like, and had like these different kind of ideas about work that like resonated so much with me so like I did that and then kind of just I was like okay I'm willing to like talking with the people there and hearing like you know them like being supportive and like supporting me and like trying to push my work forward like was so helpful and meant so much to me that um yeah I did I, from from that experience I, I sort of was like okay I'll, I'll try and like you know maybe maybe try and publish some of these things or push forward some of my stories. And then I, you know, like the response was good. So I really feel like a lot of it was that it was like that, that thing, like, like Lambda, I feel like it's a lot for me. It's like very helpful. It's very good.
0: I owe, I feel like I owe a lot to them. I'm very grateful. That's, that sounds so incredible. I'm like, <laughs> that's such a great, that's such a great way to enter into it. And especially, um, you know, uh, the the first episode of the season of the show, we had a roundtable about MFAs and whether you should get an MFA, and um, and so to kind of come in and strike that really good balance, you know, finding the community and finding the feedback and finding the the ways to make your work stronger and to find the people who inspire you without necessarily taking that traditional path. Um, that's really that's really cool.
1: Yeah, it does. It feels like a, I felt like I was like, oh, this is like this is my community. This is my space. These are like my people that like are important to me. And they still are all very important to me. Like people I like interact with all the time and like are so supportive and was like maybe like kismet. It was this perfect kind of time for me because it like it bolstered me so much. It was very important
0: to close. There's always a question that I like to ask folks. Uh, and that's what does creative satisfaction look like for you right now?
1: Creative satisfaction, that's
0: a good thing. Um,
1: I think it looks like a couple different things. I think for me, it looks like I want to be working. So if I'm working on things that I feel like, I'm working on things that are like asking me to explore stuff outside of my comfort zone. I think that feels like creative satisfaction to me. Like if I'm working on things where it's asking me to go outside of what I've been already like considering. So maybe like maybe how Morgan said, like asking the question, like I want things to be, I want things to be an interrogation. I want things to be like opening things up more. I want things to be asking me things that either A, make me uncomfortable or B are something I hadn't considered previously. I think that's creative satisfaction for me. Um, And also I feel like if I'm, if I'm connecting with like the audience that I want to connect with and I want to like, like my, I feel like my audience is like people who are like, I mean, it's, it's whoever wants to reach your work, but I really am trying to connect with a queer audience. And so like when I have like response from that, from that audience, like that feels like satisfaction to me that I'm doing the work that I need to do. I think.
0: Today's conversation was edited by Phoebe Wang and produced by Courtney Ballastier. You'll find links to some of the things we talked about today at WMFA podcast.com. Have a question or an author you'd love to hear on the show? Email me at hello at wmfapodcast.com, and find me on Twitter and Instagram at cfballastier. And writers need feedback. If you're enjoying the show, please take a second to write me a review on iTunes. The WMFA logo was created by Unsold Studio, and our theme music is Jazz Dancer by Double Winter. Find them at doublewinter.bandcamp.com. WMFA is made in Pittsburgh by Courtney Ballastier, LLC. All rights reserved.